Blog Talk Radio.
My friends, imagine standing at a crossroads where every path seems shrouded in mystery and uncertainty. You feel the weight of choices, each path promising different outcomes and experiences. It's in such moments that the cry of our hearts echoes the plea of the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 133. Direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. This profound verse isn't just a request. It's an admission of our need for divine guidance in the maze of life. Now, if you believe that God can make a difference in your life today, let us stand together in faith. I will pray a fervent prayer with you in the mighty name of Jesus. So watch until the end and open your hearts to receive the blessings of this prayer. We live in a world where our steps can easily veer off into paths of distraction or danger. The choices we make, the roads we take, the relationships we nurture, and the values we hold dear all require wisdom that transcends our limited understanding. In the Bible, the notion of steps often symbolizes our life's journey. It reminds us that life is not static, but a series of movements and decisions. And in this journey, we are not alone. We have a guide who promises to lead us through his word. Reflect on your life for a moment. Think about the times you felt lost, unsure of which direction to take. Remember the moments of decision, big or small, that shaped the course of your journey. At times, the way ahead may have seemed clear, illuminated by the light of your understanding. But how often have we found ourselves at a dead end, or worse, on a perilous path, simply because we trusted in our wisdom? This is why our hearts echo the psalmist's prayer. Guide my steps. It's a prayer of humility, acknowledging that we don't have all the answers. It's a prayer of faith, trusting that God, who sees the end from the beginning, will guide us. It's a prayer of surrender, yielding our will and desires to his perfect plan. When we invite God to direct our steps, we are not giving up our freedom. Rather, we are exercising the highest form of freedom, choosing to walk in the light of his wisdom and love. Now, consider the second part of the verse, and let no iniquity have dominion over me. This is crucial. Our journey is not just about finding the right path, but also about walking in righteousness. It's a recognition that our choices are not morally neutral, they can lead us either towards or away from the path of integrity and purity. Asking God to guide our steps is also a plea for him to protect us from the influence of sin and wrongdoing that can so easily entangle us. In our journey through life, there are many voices clamoring for our attention. Voices of society, culture, personal ambition, and even our desires. These voices can sometimes drown out the still, small voice of God leading us astray. 
But when we earnestly seek God's guidance, He promises to lead us. As Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6 reminds us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. This is a promise of divine direction and intervention. But how does God guide us? He guides us through His Word, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, as Psalm 119 verse 105 declares. He guides us through the inner prompting of the Holy Spirit, who speaks to our hearts and minds, guiding us into all truth as affirmed in John 16 verse 13. He also guides us through wise counsel from others, through circumstances, and through the peace that comes from making decisions aligned with His will. Embracing God's guidance requires us to let go of our desire to control every aspect of our lives. It means trusting that even when the path seems uncertain or challenging, God is working out His perfect plan for us. It's about believing that He knows what is best for us and is capable of leading us to our destiny. This trust doesn't come easy, but it's a journey worth embarking on. As we navigate through the complexities of life, let us remember that our steps are ordered by the Lord, as Psalm 37 verse 23 tells us. When we commit our way to the Lord, He will establish our steps. This doesn't mean we won't face challenges or make mistakes but it does mean that we can rest in the assurance that God is with us every step of the way, guiding, correcting, and leading us towards His purpose for our lives. So, today, as we stand at the crossroads of life, let's make a conscious decision to ask God to guide our steps. Let's pray with sincerity and open our hearts to His leading and also be willing to follow wherever He guides. In doing so, we will find that our paths become clearer, our decisions wiser, and our lives more aligned with His perfect will. Now, to all those within the sound of my voice, let us go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me so that you can have all the blessings of this prayer. You may also listen to this prayer daily as you build your faith and come in agreement. Let us pray to our gracious and loving God. Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, I come before you with a heart full of praise. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who guides the stars and directs our steps. Your majesty and power are beyond our understanding, yet you care for us deeply. I thank you, Lord, for your unending love, your grace, and the countless blessings you bestow upon us each day. Your goodness and mercy follow us, and for this I am eternally grateful. Thank you, Father, for the gift of life, for the air I breathe, and for the love I experience from you and those around me. In this moment of prayer, 
I humbly ask for your forgiveness for my sins. Forgive me, Lord, for the times I have strayed from your path. As I seek your forgiveness, I also forgive those who have wronged me, releasing any bitterness and resentment in my heart. Cleanse me, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Lord, as I step into this new day, I pray for divine direction in all that I do. Guide my thoughts, decisions, and actions according to your will. Help me to recognize your voice leading me and grant me the wisdom to understand the plans you have for me. May your word be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, illuminating every step I take. Protect me, O God, from missteps that lead away from your will. I rebuke any plans of the enemy to cause confusion or to lead me astray. In the name of Jesus, I declare that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Shield me from harm and keep me on the path of righteousness so that I may walk in your truth and integrity. Lord, I pray for strength and courage, especially in times of trial and uncertainty. When challenges arise, remind me that you are my rock and fortress. I declare in the name of Jesus that I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. In every difficult situation, grant me the fortitude to endure and the faith to trust in your unfailing love and power. I ask for clarity of purpose, O Lord. Reveal to me the unique path you have set for my life. Let my actions and choices reflect the calling you have placed upon me. In the name of Jesus, I declare that my life is aligned with your divine purpose, and I am walking in the destiny you have ordained for me. Gracious Lord, teach me obedience and surrender as I seek to understand your will. Help me to submit my will to yours, knowing that your plans are higher than mine. In every decision, let me seek your face and follow your guidance. I bind any spirit of rebellion or pride in the name of Jesus, and I declare a heart that is receptive to your leading. Guide me in my relationships, Father. Bless my interactions with others and help me to build connections that honor you. I pray for wisdom in my dealings and for the ability to show your love and grace in all my relationships. I declare that my relationships are guided by your love and wisdom, bringing glory to your name. Grant me peace and decision-making, Lord. In moments of uncertainty, fill me with your tranquility, ensuring that my choices align with your will. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke any spirit of anxiety and confusion. I declare that in every decision, your peace reigns in my heart, guiding me to make choices that honor you. I pray for trust in your timing, Almighty God. Help me to be patient as I wait for your guidance, knowing that you make all things beautiful in your time. I rebuke any spirit of impatience or frustration in the name of Jesus. 
I declare that I will wait on you with faith and confidence, trusting in your perfect timing for every aspect of my life. Empower me with courage to follow your lead, Lord. Even when the path is unfamiliar or challenging, strengthen my resolve to walk in faith. I declare in the name of Jesus that I am fearless in pursuing the direction you have for me. I rebuke any spirit of fear or hesitation and claim boldness and confidence in following your call. I pray for my loved ones, Lord. May your blessings, guidance, and protection be upon them as well. Let them experience your love and grace in their lives. I declare that they too are walking in your divine purpose and are shielded by your mighty hand. Lord, as I say this prayer, together with everyone listening, I am grateful for every heart that is humbled before you right now. We come in agreement as we pray for each other, knowing that you are in our midst as you promised. We claim victory in your name, declare healing for those in need, and thank you for your protection and guidance. Together, we ask for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit to guide us and strengthen us in our daily walk with you. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering my prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, amen. If you were blessed by this prayer, type the word, amen, in the comments section below. I declare that all the blessings of this prayer are now upon you in the name of Jesus. You can help us to... I was in social studies class and I sat next to a young boy um, who was very quiet. He was very different. He did dress very differently. He dressed in all black and he had occultic jewelry and he started to bring in books, spell books, books on third eye. I started to connect with these books. It's like the books wanted me to read it. But this week felt very different. Everything started moving in slow motion. I started seeing my friends like in triples. My heart rate was really, really going fast, like boom, 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 and I can hear it. And then I could hear my heartbeat go boom, 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 and I collapsed. It's like God was extending his love, his mercy, his grace over me and said, Daughter, I hear you. I've been trying to get your attention, but you haven't listened to me. Now are you ready? I am real. And I said, God, yes, I'm ready. I'm ready. Help me. Growing up, um, I can remember from a very young age that we grew up in a Christian household. Um, both my parents are Christian. Um, they migrated from Bogota, Colombia here to Washington, D.C. Um, they had me and my sister. Um, so it's just my sister and I. And we grew up in the state of Maryland. And my whole life, I could just remember just Jesus. My whole childhood was just Jesus. Um, my parents would take us to church every Sunday. And I remember my mom would dress us in these beautiful church dresses, my sister and I in these matching church dresses with the hats and the cute little shoes. And I remember uh, just loving to go to the children's ministry 
to learn about Jesus. And we had arts and crafts and they would have reading time and they would sing to us the Christian hymns then. And that was my favorite part. And I believe that that's where uh, music evolved in my life that way, as my father also was a musician and a singer at church. And um, music was very big in my household. And Jesus was everything in our household. That's all I can remember is just being around church family, uh, church friends, them coming over our house, we going over their house, going to retreats. Jesus was everything, our main focus in our household. As I grew older, I ended up going to middle school. And um, I believe that this is where the enemy had set up traps for me. Um, unknowingly, I was in social studies class, and I sat next to a young boy um, who was very quiet. He was very different. He did dress very differently. He dressed in all black, and he had occultic jewelry, you know, but again, I didn't know what that was. And at, at that moment, uh, I, I could tell that he was alone and to himself, and many people started bullying him in the classroom, and it was bothering me. I remember I would defend him. And I would say, leave him alone, you know, just leave him alone. And he, he looked at that and he drew close to me because of that, because, you know, he wasn't sticking up for himself. I had empathy for him and I was like, you know, I'm going to say something, leave him alone. And so I did. And then he drew closer to me and he started to open up. We became good friends. He started telling me about his family. He started telling me about his hobbies. And the more he felt comfortable with me, the darker the conversations became. Then suddenly he confessed to me that he was a a practicing warlock. I didn't know what that was, you know. All I knew was Jesus. And so I asked him, what is that? And he said, well, I practice witchcraft. Now, I had heard of witchcraft, but then I, had, I became more interested. So what does that mean? So what do you do? And so he started answering my questions. And I noticed that I started to become curious. And because of this, he knew I was becoming curious, and he started to bring in books, pretty dark books, um, spell books, books on third eye, books about necromancy, speaking to the dead, hmm. horoscopes. I'll never forget, he said, this is the Bible, and it was a satanic Bible he brought in from Anton LaVey. I'll never forget. And it looked pretty, it looked dark. I couldn't believe it. You know, this is all brand new to my ears. I had never seen this before. You know, this was a trap of the enemy, you know, to confuse me, to divert me from God because of the curiosity um, and the questions that I had. I, I was, to begin with, very curious. I wanted to know more. And so he said, here, keep the books. So I'll never forget. I put them in my backpack. I went home and I started reading them. Deep down inside, I knew it was bad because I was hiding them. I was hiding them from my parents. I started to get a little upset at my parents because I felt that my parents kept me in this bubble. They didn't want us to know about anything else but about Jesus. And so, you know, I, 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 was, I was angry. Like, why didn't they ever tell me about witchcraft? Why didn't they ever tell me about, you know, sorcery and all this stuff, you know? Why am I just finding out about this stuff in school? You know, it, it made me feel like stupid, you know, kind of dumb. He was even, he even laughed at me. My, my friend in social studies like, what do you mean you don't know what that is? I didn't. And so I started reading the books at home and I noticed a fear began. I started to feel fear and I would close up the books. But 
the more fear, I don't know, for some reason, I started to connect with these books. It's like the books wanted me to read it. And then the more I read them, the darker they became and the more interested I became. I became almost like obsessed with knowing what this occult, knowing about spells, knowing about horoscopes, knowing about astral projection, all this stuff. And so, you know, this is a huge, huge trap from the enemy. Shortly after that, there's this movie that came out that summer. I'll never forget. It was called The Craft. And it was about four teenage girls. They were like in Catholic school and um, they were dabbling in witchcraft. And so this was like the hot movie then. And so after that, by watching that, I didn't know that our eyes are a gateway, you know. And because I watched that movie... That got me more into horror movies. It got me more into wanting to read more and dive in. Oh, it, it looks so cool. They, they projected to look so cool. And um, I watched it and it just, it, it drew me more curious, more obsessed. Mm. And so then I started asking my friend more questions and he always had the answers. After this, I believe that by opening this door, I opened doors of fear by reading these books doors of um, like an addiction, a curiosity. And um, shortly after this, you know, we're in lunchroom and my friend brings in this like cardboard and it's a Ouija board, but he made it. And so then he starts showing it to me he's, and all the kids come around and he's showing us how to use it. And I'm like, this is crazy, you know. This, this guy, you know, he's making this up, you know. And he, he had a pencil that, and the pencil would move. Mm. And, and I was like, this, this is weird, you know? And again, I became more curious, like, what is this? Then he starts telling me, well, this is not the real thing. I made it. But the real board is a Toys R Us. And, you know, then Toys R Us was super popular. Wow. And we had all the board games, you know, growing up. I had Twister, uh, Hungry Hippo, Operation, Twi uh, all sorts of, like, the toys that come with the board games. And we had them all, my sister and I. And so I told my parents, I was like, Mom, Dad, I want to get another board game. Oh, okay. So they took me. You know, they, they didn't know. They are just thinking we're adding another board game to the collection. And I'm thinking the same thing, you know. I didn't see maybe anything bad with the board. So I remember getting to Toys R Us. I bought the board. We brought it back home. And and really quick, Andrea, when sure. when you're when you were buying this board, yeah. your parents may not have known what they were taking you for, but yeah. did they get an opportunity to see it? Did they know what they was, considering that they were all Christians and you guys yeah. grew in a Christian environment? No, unfortunately, they did not know, you know. Again, we had so many board games, mm. um, the latest board games, the latest games. They always got us like, the best games, you know, and they said, oh, this is just another game to to their collection. Wow. And no, unknowingly, you know, this board game looks like the regular board game, and it's in the kids' section, wow. you know. And so you see, they, they didn't see anything. Uh, they didn't make anything of it. And, um, you know, I don't think our, our church was teaching us that, you know. Um, and, you know, they innocently, you know, bought me this game. I took it home, and I didn't play with it right away, but I invited some friends to play to come over and play with it. We played with it, and I remember that. My sister wanted no part of it. It's like my sister had discernment. My sister was like, yeah, I don't know about that. This, this doesn't look right. doesn't sound right. doesn't feel right. 
And then I was like, oh, whatever, you know. I just ignored her. And she's my youngest sister. She doesn't know what she's talking about. So, but then we played with it. And then I became really fascinated with it. But I didn't want to play with it alone until after playing with it the first time with friends. That night, I had a dream that I was playing it by myself. It's like the dream was telling me, play with it. Just play. You can play with it by yourself. You don't need friends to play with it. The next day, I come home from school. And I took the board and I started playing with it. Ever since I did that, I became obsessed with it. It was like I drew a connection with it. And it was like connected with me. I was connected with it. I couldn't stop thinking about the board even at school. And it was crazy because I was serving in the church choir. And all I could think about while I was singing was this board. It was like it was calling me. I was becoming possessed by the board game. And I would come home and play with it. And I didn't know that by playing this board game, I was releasing portals. I was opening portals, demonic portals. I was opening doors, the spirit of addiction, of fear, of, you know, um, anxiety and panic attacks and so many more things, you know, that led down a, a rabbit hole that led me down a dark path. You know, after this. Now, Andrea, before mm-hmm. you move on in, into even the effects sure. of, of, yeah. of this, um, you know, obviously you looking back now, you can see the open doors. You yeah. can see the the harm that it caused. And, and people will get to hear that here in a second yeah. of, of the harm that came. But when, when you were when you were playing as a child, and, and obviously I, I want to be careful with the information that we give, but yes. but genuinely, can you share with us, innocently or what were you doing with this board what were the questions that you were asking what were you doing because in your mind it was you were just playing right what did that look like for you personally sure so you know it started it started telling me to ask it certain questions i can remember that it was also speaking in a different language i would write down the 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 words and it was like latin it was like different like weird um languages and then it would start telling me about Oh, help this dead person. He wants to come out of his or his soul. He needs help because his soul is trapped or something like that. You know, weird things. It just, yeah, it became really, really um, dark. It was strange. Shortly after this, I started having sleep paralysis. Hmm. Um, I felt a hand covering my mouth and my nose and I couldn't breathe. I started seeing dark shadows. I started hearing voices. I started having nightmares. Then I saw footprints coming over my bed, my bed being shaken. I mean, I was in fear. And I would tell my mom. It's like my mom believed me, and she would say, Mommy, whenever you feel scared, just say, God, help me, okay? Jesus, help me. And so then I remember that, and I said, Mom, but you don't understand, Mom. I'm really scared. I need your help. Can I sleep with you? Okay, come sleep with me. But I couldn't sleep with her all the time, you know? So... Then one night it got really bad, the sleep paralysis, um, and I felt like they were like choking me and I couldn't breathe. And I said, Jesus, help me. And then all of a sudden I felt like a relief, like it got quiet. And I said, and I put two and two together. I said, oh, my God, this worked. When I, if I say Jesus, it, it, it worked. But it just progressively got worse. And then one day... When I said enough is enough with this board, I was playing with it, and it said, it said to me, I want you to kill your mother, your father, and your sister, and then come with us. 
And I said, oh, heck no. I took the board. I broke it. I started cursing at it. My sister came in the room because I was all loud. And she's like, man, what's wrong with you? I'm going to tell mom, you're possessed. You need to stop playing that game. What happened? I, I said, forget this. I took it myself to the trash. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell my sister. I took it to the trash and I came back. I went to school the next day. I come back home and that board is sitting on my bed in one piece. Someone or something put it back in the room. At that point, I thought I was going crazy. I thought I was hallucinating. It was playing tricks on me. I told my mom. She didn't believe me. No one believed me. I became so fearful. I took the board, and then I knew that the board and the books were connected in some way, somehow. They were evil. Mm. And so I took them, and I burned them. I said, I'm burning this stuff. As I was burning them, I felt a relief. I felt a peace, but I didn't know that I was going to be um, attacked that night. My bed was shaken. They choked me. And again, I screamed I screamed again, God, help me, save me. Again, they, they released. They, they came off of me. After this, I started having the sleep paralysis, but it became less and less because I knew that every time I said Jesus, it would stop. Shortly after this, I became rebellious. I started skipping school. I started drinking. I was introduced to drugs, alcohol. I was starting to talk back to my parents a lot. There was a lot of arguments in the house between me and my parents and my sister. I started fighting with my sister a lot. You know, it was just, it was, it, it became chaotic, you know. It wasn't normal. And it, it came to a point where I didn't care about anything. Like, like you became like almost like, like powerful. Like, you know, you felt like you were a gangster, like whatever, you know. I, I, then I started fighting in, in, in school. I got kicked out of two, two schools because I started fighting. After this, I was introduced to a boy who would change my life. He became my first boyfriend, and my parents found out about the relationship, and they said, you have to break that up because you are way too young, young lady, to have a boyfriend. And so I didn't, you know. I was rebellious, and I kept the relationship, and they thought I broke up with him. After this, my parents were planning to already move us somewhere else to kind of start fresh, start new. After all that was happening in the house, we ended up moving. I remember it was my freshman year and it was pretty far away from where, um, you know, we had lived. And my sister and I, we, we hated the place. We hated the new place. It was a very nice area and I get it. My parents wanted the best for us. Um, we started a new school and, you know, I had no friends. We were the minority. It was so different. I remember heading to school, all you could see was cows and roosters and llamas, and it was just completely different. You know, still keeping us away, I still kept my relationship with my boyfriend. And shortly after this, a few months later, one of my girlfriends from my old school that goes to the same school as my boyfriend calls me and tells me that my boyfriend had um, cheated on me. So I confronted him, he denied it, and um, I broke it off with him. You know, I was completely devastated. I was heartbroken. It was my first boyfriend. And so I thought it was love, but it was puppy love. I tried to keep my mind off of the situation. And I went to the mall with my girlfriends and we would go to parties. Um, and one night I ended up going to a, a party and I was drinking 
my friends were passing around a blunt. We were smoking. But this weed felt very different. Like everything started moving in slow motion. I started seeing my friends like in triples. And I smoked weed before and it never felt like that. And then I started slurring my words. My heart rate was really, really going fast, like boom, 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 boom. And I can hear it. And I started seeing like black shadows. I went to the bathroom to go put some water on my face, you know, thinking maybe it was just me. I come back out and suddenly I start feeling my heart rate even like slowing down. And I told my friend, I said, girl, please call an ambulance. I feel like I'm about to pass out. And then I could hear my heartbeat go boom, 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 boom. And I collapsed. I fell to the ground. I don't remember what happened after that, but I, got, I ended up in the hospital. Sorry. I woke up the next day and um, I had IVs on my arms and I said, you know, what happened? And then the doctor said, young lady, you are one lucky girl to be alive. When you consumed last night, you overdosed and um, you overdosed on PCP. And I didn't know that the weed that we smoked was laced. It was really high levels of it. And how old were you at this time? I was, I was 16 at the time. After this, when I, wake, when I woke up, I said, God, why did you save me? I just wanted to die. My boyfriend had just cheated on me. I felt like everything I was doing was bad. I kept making my parents suffer. My mom would always cry. All that God was putting her through. I was so rebellious. I felt like I had no purpose. I felt like at this point I had no control of my life. Like something was controlling me. Like I was cursed. Everything that I was doing, it was like I was sinking in a hole. And I just, I couldn't pick myself up. You know, everything that I was doing was just, was bad. So I get home and... You know, I'm I'm still depressed. I didn't want to go to school. I I was suicidal at this point. It's like I didn't want to live. You know, I was embarrassed of what happened. Shortly after this, my ex-boyfriend starts to come around and wait for me at the bus stop. He's like, hey, you know, let's work things out. So I ignored him. And he did this. He was very persistent. He kept doing this over and over until I gave in. I decided to give him another chance. And this was a very, very bad decision I made. After I decided to get back with him, he started getting into drugs, alcohol. He became verbally abusive. Uh, we were getting into a lot of fights. It was very toxic, the relationship. And I almost became very afraid of him. I started to become really scared of him because he would call me and tell me that he was watching me and he was telling me what I was wearing and where I was. And, you know, and I was like, this is this is not normal. This is weird. After this, uh, I was scared to leave him. I found out that I was pregnant. I didn't know what to do. I knew I had to tell my parents. I told my parents and, of course, you know, they're not happy. You know, I'm very young. So what happened was that I told my parents and. They said that they would help me, that they would support me. And um, I told my boyfriend then, and he became a different person with me, as if like he felt like he had so much control over me. 
and um, he started drinking more, and he started like sinking in a in a hole in a in an addiction, alcohol addiction. One day we're at a birthday party. I'm now seven months pregnant at this birthday party, and I began to talk to one of my girlfriends that he did not like, and he confronts me outside. He's like, "Hey, let's let's go outside. I want to talk to you." I go outside. And out of nowhere, he just hits me, just punches me in the face. He just sees crazy anger outbursts out of nowhere. Then he started um, accusing me of things, and I just fell to the ground. All I could do was just hold my, my belly and hope that, pray that he wouldn't hurt the baby. I remember I was just in shock. I came home, and I had a black eye. I had bruises all over my body. And I started covering up the bruising with makeup. And it was really bad because I would get to school and people would ask me, Andrea, what happened to you? Are you okay? I said, oh, I just fell. I had to lie, you know. And I started covering up for him a lot. And it just became worse and worse. I wasn't getting along with my parents at home. And I moved in with my boyfriend. That was a bad mistake. I moved in with him. And um, again, because he was like an alcoholic, I was witnessing him just going downhill. There was one particular evening that I put the I put the baby to sleep and I um this I already had had the baby and I went to sleep myself and I could hear him come in and so I would play off like I'm sleeping because I, I, I was scared of him and he comes in and he's messing around with drawers, he's opening up drawers and then I could watch him but I'm playing it off and I'm I'm trying to sleep, you know, playing it off like I'm sleeping. And then he grabs a gun. I could see a gun in his hand. And then I started to pray mentally, God, help me. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. And then he comes over and he shakes me. And he's like, hey, wake up. And he goes, he puts the gun on my head. He goes, if you ever leave me, I'm going to kill you. I, 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 I was in fear. I didn't know what to do. And because he was so drunk, you know, I didn't say anything. I didn't want to start any arguments because he had a gun. I said, I'm, I'm going to die here tonight. And then I just started praying. I went in the other room with my baby. I just started praying. I said, Lord, help me. Get me out of this relationship or I'm going to die. Either it's going to be me or my daughter or we're both going to die. God, help me. Get me out of this nightmare, Lord. After that, I decided to leave him for good. I called my parents and said, Mom, Dad, please, I need your help. Please come pick me up. They picked me up, and I put a restraining order on him. And I didn't see him for several months. I cut off all contact with him, and he was not allowed to see the baby as well. Several months went by, and um, we heard that he was getting his act together, that he went to go seek some help. He was... uh, Supposedly going to church and he was going to AA meetings and um, he wanted to talk to me. Deep inside, at that time, I didn't know that that was called discernment. Something was telling me, don't, don't talk to him. But I didn't listen to that voice and I know that that was the Holy Spirit already speaking to me. Even in the, the little bit of times that I called on God and I was only calling him when I was in need of help that I regret so much. He listened and he was preparing me and he was like, daughter, don't talk to him. Don't talk to him anymore. But I didn't listen. 
And so he, he called me and he said, Andrea, I'd like to see the baby again. I want to see if we can maybe co-parent. Why don't we go out to eat and maybe we could discuss something. I thought about it and I said, all right, you know, he hasn't seen the baby in a few months. So, okay. I said, yeah, no problem. He's like, uh, do you think I can pick you up tonight? And I said, yeah, sure. Okay. We'll go out and we'll, we'll talk. So he picks me up. Baby stayed home with my parents. And on our way, you know, we're on our way to the restaurant, and I know the way, but he takes a different route. And, you know, I didn't say anything at first, you know, but then all of a sudden we're in a different route where it's just a one-way road, and it's pitch dark. And all you could see is just his headlights. And for some reason, I began to feel fear. And I said, hey, what way are you taking? He's silent. He doesn't say anything. I said, hey, where are you taking me? And all of a sudden, he locks the doors, and he goes in this, like, deserted, like, field, like a dark, huge field. It's pitch dark, and then I'm scared. I'm trying to open the door, and then he comes over. He grabs me. He just punches me. I'm laid out cold. I'm trying to regain consciousness because I could hear him, and he's, he, he keeps, he keeps um, punching me. All I can remember was that he comes around out of the car, he grabs my my body. He takes my, my body out in the middle of a field, and it's muddy. I can remember it was muddy, and it was cold. And then he just lays me right there, and I'm weak. I can't, I can't regain my strength. I'm, I'm, I'm really weak. And then he continues to hit me. All of a sudden, I begin to pray, and I'll never forget Psalm 90, 91 that my father taught my sister and I, when you are in trouble, pray this prayer. And I began to pray it. And then I began to say, God, I do not want to die like this. I do not want to die like this, God. I have my daughter waiting for me at home, Lord. Help me, God. Save me, Lord. Help me. I cannot, I cannot um, get up myself, God. Help me. And then all I could see was him getting back into the car. And he's reversing. He's reversing. And I'm trying to regain my strength. And all of a sudden, he's coming towards me. The car is coming towards me. And I said, Jesus, help me. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, three men come. They grab my body. And they pull me out of the way. I should have been dead that night. But God saved me. The Lord saved me. How can three men out of nowhere just be in the middle of a field like that? How? That's God. And uh, I'll never forget, I, um, when, they, when they dragged my body, the guys, they let me go. They grabbed him. They started punching him. They, 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 they put him like, um, on the lock, like his hands behind his, um, his back, until the cops came. The cops came. They arrested him. And we had several um, court dates. And I told the judge, I said, Your Honor, if... You let this man out of jail, he's going to kill me. He's going to kill me or my daughter. I fear for my life. Please, Your Honor, do something. And, you know, he looked at me with with fear in his eyes like he believed me. And then um, I found out that he was going to be deported to his country. He got deported. He was He served one year in jail, and they deported him back to his country. It was really rough. You know, I lived in um, 
a lot of fear. I was very paranoid. I remember always coming out of my house, just looking behind my back to see if he was around for some reason. I didn't believe that he was in jail. I still believed that he was going to come out and out of nowhere and just kill me. Or I lived with a lot of anxiety, a lot of panic attacks. I remember calling the ambulance like every week. First time I called them, they said, honey, you're not having a heart attack. You're having a panic attack. No, no, you don't understand. My heart, my heart. If I die, it's going to be from a heart attack. It's not a panic attack. And they did this two, three times, and they already knew, like, it was me. Honey, you are having a panic attack. I was just, I lived in so much fear. I felt like I had no purpose in life. Like, I just, my world, you know, ended. After this, you know, I had to see how I could maintain financially my daughter. And um, I went back to school and I worked a job, but it wasn't enough. I was introduced to a girlfriend. She asked me if I ever needed any extra money, you know, that I could come and work with her. I said, you know, I called her and I said, hey, girl, you know, I'm actually interested in making some extra cash. And so then she said, yeah, come with me, girl, let's let's go. And then we ended up going, this is where I got introduced to the strip club industry. Um, I remember the first time I walked in, I was like, yeah, there's no way that I could do this. No, 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 there's no way. Um, and I said, you know, do they, maybe they have a cocktail waitress position. And they're like, no, 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 we're, we're in need of dancers. And, and I was like, oh my God. All right. Well, I remember I had a few shots and out of nowhere, they asked me to start and, and I did. I got sucked in very quickly because the money was so good. What I was making in one night, you know, and my other job was making every two weeks, three, you know, and so I got sucked in into the fast money. Um, I got sucked into the fast life, you know, of drugs, alcohol. You know, actually, many of the girls, I saw many dark things in the strip club business where there was a lot of men that would come that were lonely, that were just wanted love. And some of my customers, they just wanted someone to sit down and talk to. You know, most of my customers were old men, married men, single men who just, yes, yeah, some, some of them were perverted. Others wanted to talk. Others wanted you to drink with them. And they would tip you for this. And, you know, this became like an addiction because you knew that, oh, I can make X amount of money in one night. And with this, I was able to buy a new car. I was able to pay off my school. I was able to get my daughter all that she needed. I was able to travel, save. Again, it just became very addictive, you know. It's like you have this, like, power. Oh, I can make this money, you know, in one night. But deep still inside, I was still depressed. I still felt alone. I still had anxiety. I still went home with issues, with problems. I had no peace in this industry. I got deeper into drugs. I got into ecstasy. I got into cocaine. And, you know, there were times that I wasn't even sleeping, you know, because you were working doubles. So you, you had to be on coke or, or, or you had to drink to stay up, you know. It was a very dark environment, you know. Um, first, it looks so glamorous from the outside, but, but it's not. You know, many of the girls that work there are doing it because, they're either just doing it for the money 
or they're addicted to, to sex or they're addicted to the power that it brings, you know, or they're addicted to drugs, alcohol, you know, and they just feel like they have no purpose in life. Now, I did meet some of the girls that they were full-time students. Some of them were very smart. They would save their money and they would go. Many of the women there that I saw were from years of doing this, of just that they felt like they had no purpose in life, you know. So one day we go out drinking as a group and um, we're drinking. And after the night is over, I'm on my way home and I get pulled over by the cops. I get charged with DUI and second degree assault. The officers were pretty, uh, I felt that they were abusive with me. But, you know, when you're intoxicated, you don't know what you're doing. So I ended up fighting them and um, they arrested me. I remember that I was in the back of the car and I, I was a mess. I was crying. I said, God, why? Why is my life so bad? I had this flashback of just everything that was happening in my life, one thing after another. And then I heard a voice say, when are you going to stop fighting me? When are you going to surrender your life to me? And I started weeping. And I said, now, Lord, help me. Because I don't know how to change. And I remember I was just crying. I get to the, the, the jail. They put me in a jail cell by myself. And I remember it was cold. It was a cold concrete floor. And I was just like this. And I was just holding myself. And I was crying. And I said, God, I don't know how to change. I want to change and I don't know how to. I felt like I, I, I have no control of my life, God. How are you going to change me? Everything that, in my, that I do in my life is just goes bad. God, help me. Because if you're real, I do want to change. I want to get out of this life. If you're real, God, get me out of stripping. And I promise to serve you, God. And then all of a sudden, I'm like this. And I look up, and my, I was sober, like supernaturally. I said, this is so weird. This is so weird. You know, and I look up, and then I begin to just cry even more. And as I'm crying, I can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in the room. I felt a a tangible presence, like electricity from the top of my head all the way to the soles of my feet. And I'm weeping even more. I knew this was the Holy Spirit because it was such a peace. It was like a holy presence. It was a tangible presence that I never experienced this. And I said, I've been waiting for this my whole life. I knew what fear felt like. I knew what anxiety felt like. I knew what panic attacks felt like. I knew what worry felt like, but this was different. It's like God was extending his love, his mercy, his grace over me and said, daughter, I hear you. I've been trying to get your attention, but you haven't listened to me. Now are you ready? I am real. And I'm touching you right here. And I said, God, yes, I'm ready. I'm ready. Help me. I want to get out of this lifestyle, Lord. Help me. And so I get out of jail the next day, <laughs> look at God. And I had just started talking to this boy who is my husband today. His mother-in-law asked him, hey, tell Andrea that there is a, that there is a all-woman's um, retreat coming up next week. And I was like, wow, God heard me so quickly. 
that he wants me to go to this retreat. And I said, tell your mom, yes, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And I told him about my, my, my experience. And I was actually so excited. Then, right then and there, I made the decision to, to stop. I stopped drinking. I stopped smoking. I stopped going to the club. I stopped that, that lifestyle. I'll never forget. I packed up my bags, and I was so excited to experience God. I was so excited to feel what I felt in the jail cell again. And I remember it was like two hours away, and it was an all-girls. I didn't know any of the girls. And we get there, and the first night, the worship was so powerful. And all I could do was just lift up my hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for saving a wretch like me, for saving me, someone who was in darkness, someone who I thought you couldn't save. And look at me in your presence, God. And that night, I experienced his redemption. He saved me. He he gave me a new name. He gave me hope. He gave me my purpose back. He said, daughter, I do have a plan for you. I do have plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. But just trust me. And I did, and I wept, and I remember I got delivered. I started throwing up. I started coughing. You know, I started weeping. And it was the most amazing experience ever of my life was giving my life to Christ. It was such a transformation, you know. Um, yeah, that mm. is my my story, my testimony. Andrea, how long have you been faithfully walking with Jesus now? About 13 years. Um, yeah, Eric. In the last uh, 13 years, like you mentioned, you know, all of the darkness that you were in. Talk to us about uh, the last 13 years and how the Lord has helped you, has redeemed you, you know, redeemed that time and um, even using you now, mm-hmm. you know, to continue to share the gospel. What what has these last 13 years been like for you? So, yes, um, when you give your life to, to the Lord, not everything becomes perfect, right? You must read the word, fast, pray to develop a relationship with him. And that's what I started doing. And along the the, the path, with the Lord, I went through trials. I went through tribulations. There were moments that I even questioned him, you know, Father, where are you? There were moments that he was very quiet. And I went through some things and many times that I felt like I, I wanted to give up, but I knew that he was real because I would never forget that experience that like I had with him. And so I kept pushing. And along those years, I lost my marriage, you know, even as a Christian. We got divorced and by the Lord's grace, you know, he put us back together and we got remarried. So the Lord still, he makes things easier because when when his word says, give me your burdens and I will give you rest, you know, you have something and someone to look forward to, your daddy to help you, that you don't have to do it by yourself, that we have a heavenly father who helps us uh, along the way through our, our tribulations and trials. I became a worship leader. I love singing for the Lord, and um, I play the guitar for the Lord as well. And he also gave me a a voice uh, studio to voice coach people, to voice coach worshipers and worship leaders and worship teams. And 
I go around in different churches and I go and I serve the Lord in that that area. And um, yeah, that's that's what I'm 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 doing today. Yeah. Now, Andrea, you you mentioned uh, you know all of these open doors that came through uh, the witchcraft that yes. you practiced as a child. When you look, did you have a moment in your life after you know now walking with Jesus where mm-hmm. you had that moment of realization of what had happened? What was that like? to look back and realize, whoa, you know, as as far as the witchcraft and, and how did God help close those doors even mm. that once were open? Oh, yes. Um, after I gave my life to Christ, I looked back and I couldn't believe that I went through that. When you draw closer to the Lord, you begin to want to hate what is evil. I started, you know, educating myself of what is it that the Lord dislikes, you know, and he says to expose it, you know, I started educating myself. I started reading about, you know, being delivered. And I myself went through a deliverance process through through my um, through my encounter with, with the Lord. When I first gave my life to the Lord, I got delivered there. And I also felt like it was a process. So it just didn't happen right away. I also was, I felt like I was self-delivered along the way. And it took a lot of fasting for me. You know, several months of fasting and just um, renouncing things from my life, you know. And I would buy books of of how to, you know, renounce certain spirits that I had allowed in my life. And it really did help, you know. And by faith, many times I would drink a bottle of water and I would tell the Lord, Father, this is your blood. I'm going to drink this and you're going to deliver me from this. And that's, that's how I would, um, that was my my process. Um, but slowly but surely, the Lord helped me along the way with that. Andrea, who is Jesus to you? Hmm. Jesus is my Abba Father. Jesus is my Lord. He is my Savior. He is my rock. He is my Redeemer. He is the perfect Son of God. That's who Jesus is to me. Andrea, what is a word of advice that you would give to those people who are currently watching right now and are involved uh, with some of the darkness that you were involved in, specifically with witchcraft, you know, maybe playing with the Ouija board, or maybe they played with the Ouija board Mm. before and didn't even realize the damage that it was doing. What is a word of encouragement that you would give them as they're watching right now? I would say to please stay away from those things because they can cause you a lot of damage as it caused me. You know, it, it is very serious. It is very real. It's very dark and it's demonic. And um, just keep it away. Do not mess with these things because once you open these doors, only Jesus can free you. Only Jesus can save you. So it is not worth it. It is not worth it. So I would say stay away from that. And what would you say to the parents, right? Because uh, I think from... yes. Um, before, in the time in your testimony, even to now, we've seen an increase and uh, more stores having yeah. this type of content, Barnes & Noble and different toy stores, Target, all of these different places. So yes. for parents, what would be your advice now from a motherly perspective? Yes, definitely. Um, just be aware what you are buying your kids. You know, check in on them. Check and go in their room, see what they're doing. Listen, they don't pay the phone bill. Check their phone. See what's going on with them, you know. Um, it's not about being overprotective. It's just 
listen, you know, we live in a, in a dark world and we need to be on top of our kids yeah. um, and talk to them a lot. Don't hide things from your kids. Just talk to them. Tell them what's good, what's bad, you know, and uh, always encourage them um, through the word. And, um, yeah, I, I, that, that, that's my advice. Just, yeah. yeah. And lastly, Andrea, what would you say – uh, a what word of encouragement can you give to that person who is right now going through uh, abuse? Mm. You know, you found yourself in a place where um, you experienced this in your life yes. personally. So for that person who's watching and is currently experiencing that in their life, what is a word of encouragement that you can offer to them? Sure. You're not alone. The Lord knows what you're going through. The Lord knows your pain and he wants you to seek help. Don't keep it in. Don't cover up for him or her. Ask the Lord to free you from that relationship. And um, the Lord is going to heal you through those wounds. It didn't happen overnight for me, but it was a process of even forgiving the person who abused me. Make sure that you do tell somebody. Tell somebody before, God forbid, something bad were to happen. So that is my my words for for the people. I also wanted to share that after the abuse, after he was deported, I wanted to share with everyone what happened after that. After his deportation, many years down, he contacted me through Facebook, and um, he asked me to forgive him. He told me that he gave his life to the Lord. He got married, and he has two kids. And, you know, when I heard that, I became so happy for him. Wow. And, you know, right then and there you want to say, no, I don't want to forgive, but you have to forgive. And I had to forgive in order to heal, to close that chapter in my life. I praise God that today I've forgiven him, and I'm so happy that he's changed his life. He also serves the Lord. So I thought I'd share that with yeah. you. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Andrea, do you have any last words for people who are watching your testimony right now? Yes. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait to give your life to Christ. Giving your life to Christ is the best decision you could ever make. And I wish that I hadn't gone through everything that I'd gone through. But, you know, we all share a story. And the Lord can use you as well in what you're going through. You're not alone. The Lord loves you. He has a perfect will for your life, a perfect plan for your life, but surrender it to him. Surrender it all. Humble yourself and ask the Lord, Father, help me in this situation. Father, reveal yourself to me, and he will reveal himself to you. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you. If, if I was, that I felt like I was a no one, let me tell you something. We are, we are daughters and sons of the Most High God, and He has an amazing plan for your life. So call on Him. Jesus is the dopest decision you could ever make. Amen. In Jesus' name. Andrea, can you pray for those who are watching right now and are saying, you know what, I want to know Jesus. Yeah. You know, I want to encounter Him for for myself. I, I want Him to reveal him to uh, Himself to me. Can you just pray for them yes. as they're listening right now? Yes. 
Father God, we come before you today, my Lord, and I thank you for all those who are watching, Father. And I ask, God, that you would remove the veil off the eyes of your children, God, and soften their hearts, Heavenly Father. Father, I pray, Lord, that they would turn to you, that all of a sudden they would just grow a hunger and a thirst, Father, to know you, Father God. Make yourself real to them, Father, and take this testimony, my Lord, Father, to the ends of the earth, to those who are hurting, God, those who are lost, Father. Those who have lost all hope, Heavenly Father, those who are battling addiction, Father, those who are going through witchcraft, Father God, those, Father God, who are just who are just in need of you, my Lord, Father, I ask God that they would humble themselves, Father, and turn to you, God, Father. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen and amen. Amen. Hey, everybody. I hope the New Testimony has blessed you, has encouraged you. Just wanted to let you know that if you are in need of help, that we have people that are ready to speak with you. So down in the description box below, in the comment section, uh, if you're watching from YouTube, if you're listening from our podcast, just look for the link that says, talk to someone who cares. Click on that, fill out the form, and somebody will get in contact with you locally. Now, this is only available to people in the U.S. right now, but we are working to get resources for our international viewers and listeners. But for right now, if you are in the U.S. and you need help, you need... When all foundations have been shaken
the victory of your cross and fix my eyes upon you Jesus Can't control. But there are many things we can't control. No way. 
Yeah. I I, I can't control when or if I get sick. I have no control. Sometimes you, you may wake up with a cold. And once you know you have the cold, you can't just poof and the cold be gone. Now you can work on it. You can take medications. You can have soup, uh, uh, plenty of liquids. You can take aspirin. And you can work on uh, helping the cold to cure. Because they said there's no cure for the common cold. It have to wear off. So you might go through these type things. But I know for myself, there are things we have no control over. And for those situations, I need God. For those situations, I need Jesus. And I don't need to play with him doing what I want to do. I don't need to lean to my own understanding. In all my ways, I need to acknowledge him. He's the one that's going to direct my path. He's the one that's going to show me how to overcome this thing, whatever it may be. Because there's nothing too hard for God. And I believe it was Abraham that asked the question, is there anything too hard for God? No, ma'am, and no, sir, it's not. He's almighty God, Jehovah, that have all power. Listen, all power, there's no higher power. Those who have been coming with me for years, you've often heard me say this before. I, I live in a house and I have electric. I have some electric. Especially when I lived in Jacksonville, I had some electric in my house. I had the refrigerator going, the stove was electric, uh, the computer was electric, TV, the lamps, many things ran by electricity, so I had some power. But JEA, Jacksonville Electric Authority, they had all the power that supplied all of Jacksonville. And you could go to JEA and get power wherever you wanted it to be. Why? They controlled all the power. So think on this this morning. The God we serve, Almighty God Jehovah, he have all power. Power to heal. Power to save. Power to set you free. Power to deliver you and set you free from the bondage of whatever is going on. Before I came to God, I was in bondage. I was in bondage to sin. And anybody know anything about sinning, it's fun. It's a good time in sinning. But there came a day when I had to let go and find a better way to live. And it come to me, give God a try. Hallelujah to all, and I'm glad. I'm so glad I did. And the day I went to him, I wasn't in church. There was no church people around. I was in my bedroom in Birmingham, Alabama, and I went to him for myself. And I talked to him because, see, I, I, I really didn't know at that time if he was real or not. I, I wanted to believe it, but I didn't truly know. But I wanted to know for myself. So I went to him and I said, God, I said, if it's a God, I, I heard you was real. I want to believe that you're real, but I don't know. But if you're real, I want to be just as real in you as you are real. I meant that that day. I meant that from my heart that day. I didn't hear a rushing mighty wind. I didn't hear nothing. But I had a desire to pray. Because at that time, I didn't know that's what I was really doing. 
As far as I was concerned, I was talking out in the atmosphere, in in the air. But that very day, he changed my life. You hear me? He changed my entire life. I began to pray. And these are the kind of prayers I was. I I wasn't praying for minor stuff, things. I I wasn't praying really for my children in that instance. Nobody but me because I needed him. I began to pray prayers like this. Father, let me die so you can live. You hear me? Let me die so that you can live. In other words, live in me. Have your way in me. Do whatever it is you want to do with me. I'm yours. Yeah. We became great partners that day. I was his and he was mine. I didn't stop right there. I continued with a prayer life. I continued to study my Bible. Yeah. And he grew me. I couldn't grow myself. He grew me. And oh, I'm so glad he did that day. Because when things are out of your hand, what are you going to do? When you can't control it, when you can't do nothing about it, what are you going to do? This is when you need God. Uh Uh-huh. This is when we need to come to him. Can we believe? Father, forgive me for all my sins. Come into my heart and live forever. I believe God sent you, Jesus, his son, for me. And then once you get to studying the word, you're going to learn all these things. He suffered and, and, and bled and hung and died and went down into hell and conquered all and rose with all power. You're going to get to learn these things, but you got to pray and ask God for understanding of his word. He said, in all our getting, get understanding. He don't want us ignorant. And not ignorant to the devices of the world and the things of the world. Because some people think, if I learn all of this stuff about the world and what this does with that, that's for the natural, that's for people. I'm talking about the things that'll do for you what it did for this young lady. It'll get you delivered. It'll get you set free. It'll get you to the point where you won't be wishy-washy. You won't be in and out, but you'll stay on a straight path with God. You won't lean to your own understanding. and all your ways, you'll acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. You won't be wise in your own eyes. You'll fear God and depart from evil in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah this morning. Oh, we thank him. We thank him. Listen, I have one more uh, request and uh, announcement. Uh, Brother Louis, a ceremony is February the 16th, and it was going to be at 1.30, but they, 1 o'clock or 1.30, but they changed it to 2 o'clock. So if anybody in the Florida area want to go with me, I'll be down on 441 um, in Ocala at the IHOP by 11.30. So I'll be there, and we'll have breakfast. Uh, at the high house, Sherry and Kim and Stevens and uh, Sherry daughter and the grandson, hopefully Mr. Mason. I finally get to see him in person. And uh, we'll have breakfast down there, whatever. And then we'll leave from there heading over to Bushnell um, so that we can go over and give Louis his last celebration. Hallelujah. Hey, glory, glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, 
Kimmy Roseman, I get a chance to five or ten minutes to say a few words. And I just want to encourage Sherry and uh, let her know we did love Louie. We did love Louie. Yeah. And we love her. And we love her because we can't love him without loving his wife. And she come in the mornings and um, she was good to me when I went down to Keller to look for a place to live, a house. Uh, Sherry was on top of everything. Look, Sister Barbara, that fence is falling down. <laughs> and they know that area. So they took me up and through Kissimmee. When I first got there that morning, they took me to breakfast, both of them. And uh, Sherry was just serving, you know, and doing all she could for me. And then I brought Shantae along. We used to go over to the um, Cracker Barrel to eat. And her and Shantae hit it off. I said, well, that's the intellectual women over there, brother. He said, yeah. He said, and you just one of them guys. It's whatever. I said, yeah, that's me. But they was in the workforce, and, and uh, working today, you're in a different place. You're not in the same place working like we used to. I come up in the workforce where you do the work or hit the door. Want to take your choice. And you don't tell the boss what it's going to be. He or she tell you what they want you to do. But today, uh, I'm seeing in a lot of places, you, you can't say anything to your employee. You have to go by some kind of special rule book. Yeah. I remember the day <laughs> you came to work and uh, I wasn't getting what I needed to get from you and I'm paying you. Uh, look here, some changes got to be made. Either you came to work or you didn't. Yeah, a good day's work for a good day's salary. That's how it went. And uh, I often said, and I used to tell Chate, I, I mean, I tell her sometimes, I said, oh, we, I sure wish these people over here would have worked for Larry Peavy, whatever company they're working for. I sure wish they would have had Larry Peavy <laughs> as their boss. They would have been out the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't don't say nothing crazy to him like you want to straighten him. Because, oh, he want to fight and he go to cussing because he wasn't professing. He was not professing Jesus as his Lord and Savior at the time. Yeah. But things have changed. Things have changed even in the workforce. And the world has become wickeder and wiser. And so we thank God. I see my God, baby. Good morning, Miss Laura. God bless you. God bless you. Good morning, Sister Dorothy Goodman. Good morning to you, Sister Rita. Good morning to you, Jasmine Robinson. <laughs> God bless you this morning, Jazzy. And uh, good morning to you, Brother Anthony. Yeah, I call Jasmine Jazzy. <laughs> good morning, Brother D in the house this morning. God bless you, Brother D. Good to see that 706. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God is yet faithful. God is yet faithful this morning. So we're going in to take a listen to um, Dr. Marcus Cosby. And uh, when it's out of your hands, what you going to do? When it's out of your hands, you done prayed and, and God is not moving, what you going to do? This is the time to stand on the word of God. And after standing, stand some more because his word is going to do what he set out for it to do. Oh, yes, it is. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So we're going to this one quick song, and we're coming right back with Dr. Uh, Marcus Cosby and what you're going to do when it's out of your hand. All right. Mm -hmm. 
the Lord gave me a vision that some. Okay. I'm looking for another song. That's the wrong song. All right, y'all bear with me, bear with me. We getting there. We are getting there. Okay. All right, now, all right, let's go with this. Exalted 
among the nation, among the nations, in all the earth, in all the earth. That's enough for this afternoon. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. These moments that we spend together on this Sunday afternoon, I want to talk simply from the subject, when it's out of your hands. When it's out of your hands. Have you ever been at the point in life where you didn't know what to do because there was absolutely nothing you could do? Have you ever found yourself at the point of helplessness? Wondering how in the world you were going to handle some circumstance, some situation. Realizing that you did not have the power, the authority, the ability to handle it in your own strength. And brothers and sisters across this sanctuary this Sunday afternoon, even many more read, watching us via the World Wide Web who can testify that life will present a set of circumstances for which you are absolutely impotent to do anything about them. You have no authority, no ability, no power to facilitate some change in the circumstance with which you are dealing. I speak today from experience at this point. For the last few weeks of my life have found me at a place where I could not do anything about the circumstance of my own life or my child's life. I was at the point where helplessness had grasped me and as a consequence I couldn't do anything about a 12 year old now 13 year old boy who was writhing in pain, pain from which he could get no relief at all. And today I've come to this preaching moment dealing with this set of circumstances and remembering that whenever I come to a situation like that, my default is to turn to the book of Psalms. I know that you have your own favorite book of the Bible, but I love the book of Psalms because when you come to the book of Psalms, it gives to you a picture or several portraits of individuals who found themselves in circumstances that were beyond their control and they were able to call on a God for whom nothing was impossible and in their moments of strain and suffering God showed up and showed to them that he was able to work things together for their good. I bring our attention to the book of Psalms today because when you read the book of Psalms you'll find out that all human emotions are held, are given to us in those Psalms from Psalm 1 all the way to Psalm 150. When you read the Psalms you'll find out that no matter what state of mind you find yourself in, you can find yourself in the Psalms. If you're on the mountaintop, there's a psalm for you. If you're going through some situation which causes you to walk through the valley, there's a psalm for you. If everything is going well in your world, there's a psalm for you. If you're catching it coming and going, there's a psalm for you. If you're excited about the loved ones that you find yourself surrounded by, there's a psalm for you. If you're mad at everything that crosses your path, there's a psalm for you. I love the psalms because it gives to us a beautiful portrait of every human emotion that we will ever encounter. And I found myself 
myself dealing with some emotions that Psalm 46 helped me to handle. Couldn't you take a little time with me in Psalm 46 this afternoon? Because it seems to me that Psalm 46 can help those of us who are in the community of faith to understand that God is still in complete control. Watch this. Even when we are completely out of control. That if God's hands are still as big and as strong as they are, it does not matter that circumstances are out of your hands. If you can find a way to put it in God's hands, he is still able to give you victory over your adversity. Psalm 46 blesses me, Dr. Joshua L. Mitchell. It is a communal song of confidence and trust in God. The community of faith are lifting their voices, letting everybody around them know that they trust in, have confidence in this God of theirs. Watch how the psalm opens. You'll find out it's a communal song of trust. Here it is. Oh, oh God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Okay, you should have gotten excited about that. Let me rewind, press play. I said that the community comes together, and when the community begins to sing about, talk about, shout about their God, this is what they say. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Third time is the charm, because your pew partner is still sitting there looking at me like, oh. Okay, here it is. The Bible helps us to understand that the community has reason to rejoice. Everybody on your pew has a reason to shout hallelujah. Everybody listening to me right now can rejoice because God is our refuge and strength. And he's a very present help in trouble. Now, Pastor AJ, I got that. I understand that. I agree with it. I shout on it every time I hear it. But I'll be honest with you. As I was reading through Psalm 46 this past weekend, I will be honest with you and testify that although I agree with everything, Every word of verse 1, by the time I got to verse 2, there was a shift in my attitude. Because verse 2 says, therefore will not we fear. Mm. Now, you may not understand why there was a shift in my attitude until I tell you about my last several weeks. Because my last several weeks did not give to me some placid, nice, calm, serene situation in life. No, the last couple weeks of my life were scary. I don't know if you've ever had some scary situation to show up in your life, but I heard some scary stuff. I saw some scary stuff. My boy was experiencing some scary stuff. His siblings were watching him go through some scary stuff. We are all sitting here listening to doctors tell us we don't know what's wrong with the boy and we don't know how long he's going to be in this hospital. That's some scary stuff. Now I know you're much more spiritual than I am. You never get scared about anything. You're so spiritual you walk around with a Bible under your arm all the time. You got a halo around your head but I ain't as spiritual as you are and some stuff in life will scare the life out of you (laughs) 
that's where I found myself over these past few weeks. I found myself in a space that was intimidating, in a space that backed me up against the wall. Yep, the preacher was intimidated by the situation. Yep, the pastor was intimidated by the situation. Yep, because a parent was looking at his son and wondering whether or not this boy was going to be all right. Can I find 10 people in here who say, listen, I know the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but every now and then I got it from somewhere. Okay. Okay. Here it is. It's a scary scene. It's a scary situation. And while I'm dealing with that scary scene and situation, Psalm 46 pops up and I say, here it is in Psalm 46 verse 2. Therefore, will not we fear? I got a little problem with that. I keep on reading though because I never going to give up on the text. And as I keep reading, I find out that the psalmist uses 11 verses and the psalmist speaks in 10 of those 11 verses. 10 of those 11 verses, the psalmist is speaking about God. He makes war to cease. He does great and mighty things. He's with us. He speaks all that about God. But then in verse 10, <laughs> that's when I got happy all over again. Because in verse 10, God said, <clears throat> let me clear my throat. I appreciate you speaking for me, but I can speak for myself. Oh, my brothers and my sisters, is there anybody in church this afternoon who is grateful that every now and then God will open up his own mouth and begin to speak to you in ways that you need him to hear, in ways that you need to hear from him? Somebody can testify. God knows just what to say at just the right time, in just the right season, so that I can get over the hump I'm dealing with and know that everything's going to be all right. And the Bible says... God said, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Be still. You stressing. You tripping. You fretting. And I want you to be still and know that I am God. Now, child of God, I bring this for your consideration today because I got a funny feeling. And a sneaking suspicion that I'm not the only one who stands at some crossroads in life. And you're trying to make some decisions whether or not you're going to move forward or be paralyzed by the circumstance with which you're dealing. And there's somebody who's dealing with some scary situation out in front of you. Yours may not be like mine, but all of us got some stuff we got to deal with in the month of March. Everybody in here. Got, okay, and if you don't know what you got to deal with, just keep living. Because something's going to show up in this life that will scare you, rock you to your core and God says be still and know that I am God let me break it down like a fraction I'll be out of your way in just a few minutes because it seems to me that the text suggests to us brothers and sisters that when you in that season of life that is frustrating you harrowing your life circumstance and you don't know what to do God says to us first of all watch this relax yeah, I know. You didn't find it spiritual either. And most of the saints said all day long didn't find it spiritual. They like, copy, that's all you got? You've been gone for a month and you come back and you say, relax. 
Yep, that's my word for everybody in here. Because the truth of the matter is there's some folk listening to me right now who get stressed out over a hangnail. There's some folk in here today who can testify if you get one hint of bad news, if you get the rumor of bad news, it stresses you out. And God says, listen, I want you to know that if you claim to be the child of God that you claim to be and you know me as the God of your salvation that you know me to be, I need you to be yourself still. Relax. I love that word. That word in the Hebrew, Pastor Johnson, is rafa. That word rafa is a unique word. It literally means to be idle or lazy. One connotation means to be disheartened or discouraged. One connotation means to be weak and weary. But the connotation of, of, of Psalm 46 verse 10, the connotation here is none of those. It literally means to withdraw, to take your hands off. To drop your weapons and know that God is in control. <laughs> I thank God for those of you who caught it, but for those of you who need to catch up, watch this. It literally means to withdraw, take your hands off, drop your weapons. And realize that God is in charge. Now, now I like this, brothers and sisters, because you will remember that in the verses that precede verse 10, you know, the psalmist is talking about how God causes wars to cease. Because apparently there has been some entanglement in the life of the community of faith, and they've been dealing with some enemy, some battle with which they had to deal. And the Bible helps us to understand that when God speaks, he says, I don't want you stressing about what's going on around you if you know that the God you serve is handling stuff for you. Uh, withdraw. Take your hands off. Drop your weapons and believe. Re realize that God is in control. Now this is important because there's some of us in the room today who know that before we withdraw from anything, we'll fight about it until death do us part. There's somebody in here today who knows you are a fighter and you know how to fight. You got your weapons drawn at all times. There's some folk in here who are from the hood or have hood-like mentalities and you know good and well that you have never run away from a good fight. But God says there's some fights you can't handle by yourself. There's some fights you don't need to get embroiled in. I'm trying to help you. God says withdraw. Take your hands off. Drop your weapons and recognize, realize that I am in complete control. Now church, this, this troubles me. It troubles me because by nature, I'm a fixer. I like to fix stuff. If it's broke, I want to fix it. I don't need it to be broke long. I want to reconcile. I want to make sure that everything's are by nature. I like to make sure that stuff that's been out of order has come back into order. But God says, listen, you can't handle this. Because in your own authority, in your own ability, you are too weak, too fragile to handle this situation. That's why you got me. You caught it. He caught it. She got it. Oh, now it's rolling around the room. All right. He said, that's why you got me. And the good news is, since you got me, you need to know I've got you. 
and I got this situation you're going through. Is there anybody in this church house this afternoon who is grateful that any way, any time you're going through, whatever you're going through, the good news is that God's got you, God's got the situation, He knows what you're going through, so you can withdraw, take your hands off, drop your weapons, because the battle is not yours, it's the Lord. No need of you cussing your co-workers out like they're cussing you out. Ain't no need of you treating them folk like they're trying to treat you. Ain't no need of you acting ugly just because the whole world is acting ugly. It's no need for you to be incivil like the worst of the world is dealing with incivility. It's time for those of us who believe that God is God to watch God work and believe that if we be still, he'll fight our battles. Can I find somebody who's watched him fight a battle or three or twelve or fifteen for you? Is there anybody who's seen him work in ways that you never could have worked it out for yourself? I need you to encourage your pew partner and say he's still fights battles for his children. That's why he says, even if the worst should come, you can still trust your God. Verse 2, when you read it, he says, even if the mountains be thrown in the midst of the sea, or the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake, And they swell with the shaking thereof. He says, don't trip, because God is in the midst of her. And God is right there in the midst of it all. And he says, be still. Be still. Relax. Stop stressing over everything you go through. You cannot be the child of God that you claim to be and stress over everything you go through. Oh, I'll give you a few minutes to recover from the initial shock of it. But you can't stay stuck in depression and frustration your whole life and say, I believe God. I said, you, I'll give you a few days or maybe a couple weeks to get over the initial shock of it. But you can't stay stuck in the doldrums of devastation and still claim you believe God. I need 10 people in here who know. I don't know how he's going to work it out. But if he tells me to be still, at some point in time, he's going to show up and prove he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask for. Be still. Relax, man. Relax, sis. Come on down off that ledge. Get yourself together. Compose yourself. All right. Relax. And then remember. Yeah. Watch the text. Watch the text. I'm still in verse 10. You still there? Be still. Here it is. Next phrase. And know that I am God. Oh, he says, I want you to know that I am God. I say that you and I, at some season, some seasons of our lives, are going to have to just learn how to remember that God is God. Okay, that didn't work too well. There's about three people right in here. Who's who? Okay, let me, I'm going to try y'all. I said, at some point in life, you and I are just going to have to re- remember that no matter what we're going through, God will take me when you need it. It's still God. God. Okay. At some point in life, 
You and I just have to be rest, rest assured and believe and then remember that our God is still God. He said, I want you to know that I am God. And when you know that, it affects how you live. What you know affects how you interact with people. What you know affects how you see the situation of your life. And if you remember the stuff you already know, and if you know that God is God, it shifts your perspective to let you know that the enemy will not get the last word. I need to find my warriors now. I need my warriors to help me. I need the warriors to help somebody on your pew and remind them that the enemy does not get the last word. The enemy thought he got the last word at Calvary. But on the third day, he rose with all power. I want you to remember, and, and, and the psalmist has been talking about God the whole song. As a matter of fact, he started off in verse 1. He said, you want to know who God is? He's my refuge. He's my strength. He's my very present help in trouble. Give it to him again, because they need to hear it more and more again. I said, he's your refuge. He's your strength. He's your very present help in trouble. Because the third time is the charm. They need to hear it. Somebody's still acting like they didn't hear what you said. He's your refuge. He's your strength. He's your very present help in trouble. Do you know what a refuge is? It's that stalwart fortress in which you can run and can't nothing get to you. You can hide in there and be safe and secure from all alarm. Is there anybody in here who knows that your God has safeguarded you from some stuff you didn't even know was coming at you? Your God has safeguarded you from some stuff that should have caught you long time ago. Is there anybody in this building today who is grateful that he's been my refuge? He's been my hiding place. He's been my shield. And he's been my strength. Oh, this is for those who've gotten weak along the journey. This one is for those of us who thought for sure we were going to throw in the towel. But just as soon as we got ready to throw it in, God kicked in gear and let us know, oh man, I got you. Come on, child, you ain't in this by yourself. I know you thought you were going to go down, but I refuse to let a child of God go down because you are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. He's my strength. He gives me strength when I'm weak. Come on, Apostle Paul, help me right through here. The Apostle Paul says, when I'm weak, then he's my strength. He says, my strength, his strength is made perfect in my weakness. You never know how strong your God is till you realize how weak you can get. Did you hear me up there? I said, you never know how strong your God is until you realize how weak life can make you. When he steps in and gives you strength like no other, you ought to recognize that's who your God is. And he says, I want you to remember that. But not just that he's your refuge, he's your strength. He's a very present help in trouble. Yeah. 
He's an ever-present help in the time of trouble. I love this because he literally says that whenever you're in trouble, God is already present. Okay. Okay. No. Whenever you get in trouble, God is already in the midst of that trouble with you. When you get in trouble, you ain't got to go searching for God and hunting for God. God is already in the midst of that situation with you. Come on. Where are the three Hebrew boys when you need them? Didn't we throw in three? Looks like I see four. And the fourth one looks like the Son of God. Is there anybody in here who testifies he'll get in the fire with you? That's why, that's why, that's why in verses 7 and 11, the psalmist says, The Lord of hosts is with us. Reverend Gwen, the God of Jacob is our refuge. Hear me, hear me. The Lord of hosts is with us. I like that phrase. That, that Hebrew phrase literally means the big God. The warrior God. The battle fighting God. The God who will tell you, sit back, I got this one. The God who will go into the job before you get there and start clearing some stuff out and moving some stuff away. The God who prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemy. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Now watch the word. When you get the King James Version, if you have it on your phone, and you get the King James Version of this text, you'll find out that after verses 7 and 11, here comes the same word. Same word is given at the end of verses 7 and 11. It's the word Selah. Those of us who've been in church, you went to, you, you passed Sunday school, and you passed BTU, and you went to vacation Bible school, you may have heard that Selah is a musical, musical term. It literally means to rest. It means you just heard something so good that you can't rush past that. It means that the psalmist just said something so amazing that you need to take your time and let that wash over your soul. That's glory. He says the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Rest. Sit back. Don't rush past this. Be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Listen to this. Let this move around in your mind. Let this rush over your spirit, because I want you to remember this when you start catching hell again. See, all of us can be real spiritual in the sanctuary. While we sitting around shouting folk, we sitting around clapping folk, we can shout and clap. While we sitting around folk who are rejoicing, we can rejoice. But there's some moments where God's going to make you live what you say you believe. Oh, come here, come here. For the last month and a half, God's been making me find out if I believe what I preach. Son, do you really believe that he's a healer? Do you really believe he's a way maker? Do you really believe that there's nothing too hard for your God? There's some seasons where God makes you trust him even when you can't trace him. You got to remember... That he is who he, is, who he says he is. You got to remember that he can do what he says he can do. He says, I want you to relax. I want you to remember 
And at the end of the day, you better recognize. I'm done. I'm done. Real simple message today. I, I want you to recognize. Uh, uh, watch this. Watch how the verse ends. Verse 10. You still there? Verse 10 says, um, uh, I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Um, if you have the New International Version, it says, I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. I like nations. That means all the, even the polytheistic nations, everybody around is going, but I like heathen. Because heathen means those who don't believe that I can do what I say I can do. And I am who I say I am. He says, I'm going to be exalted even among them. Now, now this, I like this because God, God is showing out now. God is saying, listen here, don't you fool yourself. I don't care how big and bad the enemies of your life may be. I still get the last word. Yeah. God says when the dust settles and the smoke clears, I'm still going to have folk wondering who in the world is your God. And they're going to want to know your God and get to know your God because I will be exalted among the heathen. Now, that's the folk who don't even know me, who don't even like me, who don't even come to church, who don't even worship. They're going to look at you and they're going to wonder who your God is. Oh, I know I'm telling the truth. I just saw it a couple weeks ago. Dr. Ned Howard, I just saw it a couple weeks ago. It was a wonderful thing. While I was in my boy's hospital room, we were waiting on, on surgery number three. We were waiting on surgery number three, and, and the ENT, the ear doctor who was supposed to work on it, had told us the day before that she specializes in handling the ear. My boy has had a significant ear infection that has permeated much of his head, and he has been very consumed with this, and it's caused him so much pain over these past weeks. It's a just literally ear infection that has exploded in his brain, and now in his head. And now he's dealing with this reality. And this woman comes in and she says, "Don't worry about it. I can handle this surgery." They call me the ear girl. I said, "All right, ear girl, because my boy got an ear problem." And I need the ear girl to handle my boy's ear problem. And she said, no problem, I can handle it. The next day she comes and they put him on what is known as the add-on list. The add-on list is when you are not already scheduled for surgery. We weren't scheduled weeks out. It is just something we know we need you to have. And so we're going to put you on the add-on list. And you'll be brought into the operating room as soon as we can get you a space. Well, brothers and sisters, the day had come. We're ready for the surgery. Morning passes. Nobody calls for my son. Gets to the afternoon. Nobody calls for my son. It's the middle of the afternoon. Nobody calls for my son. Around 5 o'clock, the ear girl comes in. And Doc says, I hate to let you know, I got to leave. My shift is over. And I got, what? That's what I said. I said, my shift is over. And I cannot stay any longer. I got to get out of here. I've been here all day long, and I'm going home. She said, my shift is over. I got to leave. I said, all right. So she walked out the room. I picked up my phone. I started texting some folk that I know, a brother that I know who's a member of this church. Big baller shot call at the hospital. I'm glad I know people. I said, ear girl said she can't do the, the, the surgery because it's time for her to go. Five minutes later, ear girl walked back into the room. Wait, wait. Watch what ear girl said. Ear girl said, I don't know who you praying to, but an operating room just opened and I'm going to take your boy down in just a few minutes. 
that's not the best part of the story. The best part of the story was, Miss Cosby said, well, sit down. If you got five minutes, I'll tell you who my God is so you can get happy about him too. Oh, is there anybody in this church this afternoon who knows that God will put you in position where you can show your God off. You can talk about how wonderful he is. Talk about how amazing he is. Talk about how awesome he is. I need ten people in here to exalt him among the heathen. I feel like lifting him up. Come on, Tonto, that's right. I feel like hollering one good time and I'll be out of here. He says, I will be exalted among the heathen. But he also says, I'll be exalted in the earth. The connotation here, Rev. Stephanie, is that he's not just going to be exalted among folk who don't know him. He's going to be exalted among folk who do know him. It literally connotes that everybody who's got a relationship with him, watch this, is going to have a reason to celebrate God in public. And I need some folk in here who refuse to be a part of the secret service saints to help me right through here. I need some people in here who refuse to be covert ops Christians to help me give God some glory on a Sunday afternoon because he's going to be exalted among his people in this world. I saw it happen. I saw it happen. One last story. I'm out of your way. I saw it happen right there in my boy's room. My boy was in, in almost a field position for about 8, 10, 12 days. Had such severe pain. We would open his eyes because the white light was bothering him. Pain all in his head. And uh, he was just laying there. Somewhere teetering between affliction and depression. Day after day. He didn't want to do much talking. You, if you know Matthew, do you know he's always the star of the show. He wants to make sure that you understand that he is in the room. This boy was laying in his bed, not wanting to talk, not wanting to do anything. Tubes coming all out of his body. He's laying there, and while he's laying there, everybody's looking at him, bemoaning his situation. Because this 12-year-old boy shouldn't have to deal with this kind of pain. And then Wednesday of last week, big brother, Wednesday of last week, we walk into the room. Matthew's up out the bed. And he's walking around. Eyes open. Talking to us. Although his voice is muted because his sickness has taken away the volume in his voice, he's talking to us. And we're having a good time in conversation. We go up to the kids' zone in the hospital. He gets some pain. And he, now he becomes the next Picasso of the world. Drum man didn't have any artistic ability before we went in the hospital. He'd been painting stuff for the last three days. He gave me a picture of the Lion King setting, and I looked back at him and I said, Hakuna Matata, my brother. Where my, where my, where my Lion King fans? It's a problem-free philosophy, Hakuna Matata. Means no worries. There's no worries. He painted this beautiful picture of, uh, of, uh, of, of the Lion King. He's painting all these paintings. It's a wonderful thing. And doctors are looking at him and saying, hey, make my, uh, my you, how in the world are you feeling? He said, I'm feeling all right. And looking at him and they're amazed at this boy who's now walking around. When for the last several days, he's just been laying there in the bed. I said, Matt, you got to give God praise. 
Because God knows how to do wonderful things suddenly. Oh my. I said he does wonderful things suddenly. Now that shouted me, but it didn't shout him. Matthew looked back at me. He said, that may be true, but some things God does eventually. I'm done. I'm about to, <laughs> I'm heading to the table. But I need somebody in this church who understands that my praise is not predicated on when he does it. My praise is determined by who is the one who is doing it. And whether he does it suddenly or eventually, I'm going to praise him continually. And is there anybody in this building this afternoon who can help me close this message and begin to celebrate the God who still works miracles? I can't tell you when he's going to fix your situation. I can't tell you when he's going to work your circumstance out. But whether he does it suddenly or eventually, he's still worthy to be praised. So I need somebody on a Sunday afternoon to help me lift up Jesus. I need somebody to help me glorify God. And stretch out your arms, open up your mouth, and say, Anyway, you bless me, Lord, I'll be satisfied. Is there a witness in this church that God can do it however He chooses to do it? I don't know when He's going to work it out. I don't know how He's going to work it out. But since I know He's able to work it out, He may not come when I want Him, but He'll all be right on time. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Somebody shout yeah! Shout yeah! Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge the Lord in all of your 
Good morning to you and everyone listening. I'm good. I'm good. Amen. And how are you? I am blessed today. I cannot complain since the God is yet faithful. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Amen. So, look, we're going with the uh, first question. And wait a minute, I got to get over there. All right. We're going with the first question, which say the what, what y'all say, Sister Dot? Oh my gosh, I, is this the right one? I think this is. It says okay. the words of Revelation say that this place is where the devil will be cast and will be tormented day and night, and um. Dang, where did Wait, Oh, my goodness. Take your time. Take your time. No rush. <laughs> because I did it a different way the way uh-huh. I put my Um, He would be, uh, the answer is cast in the lake of fire and brimstone. Yes, ma'am. And and that was found in Revelation 20, chapter 20, verse 10. Yes, ma'am. And and this is what it says. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophets are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Ooh. Yes, Lord Jesus. So we thank God for that one. I'm moving right along. I'm going over to the um, to the next uh, question. Uh, what what what's your next question, Sister Dot? Which is the shortest book in the Old Testament? Okay. Obadiah. Yes, ma'am. Because Obadiah have one chapter, <laughs> just one chapter over there, and so that's the shortest. Uh, book in the Bible, and so we thank God for these good answers today. Good answers. And um, what what what's your next question say? In John's vision in Revelation, what city is named in judgment as the angel throws a great millstone into the sea, symbolizing its downfall? And okay. I have Babylon. Uh huh. Yep. And it was it was in Revelation chapter eighteen, verse twenty one. Yes, and this is what it says: And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone, and cast it into the sea, saying, "Thus, with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down." I shall be found no more at all. Yep, that's it right there. Revelations uh, chapter 18 and 21. And uh, what, what, what's your next question, say, Sister Dot? <laughs> okay. When the Israelite moved camp, what questions were given for the Ark of the Covenant? Now, I had a problem with this. But, okay. Um. It was said that 
the people, the Israelites, were to move at, at, at behind the Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. Now, I found that in Joshua chapter 3, verse 3. Okay, now this is what I have. Look, I'm going to read the question again. When the Israelites moved camp, what special instructions were given for the Ark of the Covenant? I have Aaron and his sons were to cover it with the veil. And I found that in Numbers chapter 4 and verse 5, because this is what it says. And when the camp set it forward, Aaron shall come and his sons, and they shall take down the covering veil and cover the ark of testimony with it. So again, Numbers 4 and 5 is the one that I thought was the correct answer. Because I believe Aaron, uh, they were Levites, and I think all the Levites were priests. Yeah. And so the priest is the only ones who could uh, touch God's stuff or, or deal with God's stuff or put the stuff where it was supposed to be. Yeah. Levites. So um, that's the one I think we can use for number four. Okay. Yes, ma'am. No problem at all. So, Doc, we we working on this thing together. (laughs) (laughs) And it just helps us to remember some stuff and go back and look at. So, I'm keeping all of them and uh, going back to look at. Oh, excuse me. I have a tablet that I write the questions in. Uh huh. And then I get a blank sheet of paper. And write the answers on, but I did it different last night. Okay. I put it. Okay. On, I put it in my notes on my phone. Yes, ma'am. And there's nothing wrong with it. Good morning, Apostle. God bless you this morning, Apostle Claudia. Boat right in the house over here. <laughs> God bless you. God bless you. Okay, Sister Dot. What question you have for number five? According to Proverbs, which of these is better than a secret love? And the answer is open rebuke is Mm -hmm. better than secret. And that was found in Proverbs, Proverbs. Chapter 27, verse 5. Okay. Yes, ma'am, because it says this open rebuke is better than a secret love. Yes, ma'am. Proverbs, look back at it. I think it's 27 and 5. Yes. Proverbs 27 and 5. That's where you find the answer to that one. And so um, I'll go today and make sure I put the uh, next. Uh, five questions over on Jesus in the Morning group over on Facebook. So if some of y'all want to get in on answering the questions, feel free to go over there and uh, take a look, look up your answers, and just come the next morning and share with us like Sister Dot. She took on the task right away, and I thank God for that. But if anybody wants to uh, answer a few of those questions 
feel free. And if you, I, as a matter of fact, I um, you can you can even copy them from over there if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because that's what I do, and I put them together and I staple them so I know week one, two, three, four, five, six like that, and that way I'm able to uh, go back and take a look at all of them. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're moving right along this morning. We thank God for his word because when it's out of your hands, what you going to do? What can you do? It's out of your hand. You, you don't have no more resources. You can't think of another way. Uh, what? what, what? You're going to pray and stand on the word of God and trust in him. And believing in him and leaning not to your own understanding. Because many times I've seen things diagnosed in medical stuff. Even for myself, they said it was this. I told the Lord about it, it became that. <laughs> I can remember going to the doctor in uh, Fairbanks, Alaska. My feet, listen, my feet and toes were open. Two toes on each foot was open. And running, I was went to the store, and I was on my way back, and it come to me. Did you pray? Because when I would move my foot to press the accelerator, you know, to press the gas, I could feel like water running out my feet. I say, Lord, I need you to heal my feet. I said, because God, I dance before you with these feet, and if they have to cut anything off of them. I won't be able to dance before you. I said, so heal my feet in the name of Jesus. I went on. Forgot I even prayed to pray. I was in a van driving my van, coming back from the store. I forgot I even prayed to pray. I faith. But I noticed my feet coming together. And I noticed the healing and the color coming back in them and everything. I go on back to the doctor on my appointment because I had told her about it. And, you know, they give you ointment and stuff to rub on it. You soak them, you know, and make sure they're clean, put your ointment on them. And uh, she didn't tell me to wrap them up, keep it open so the feet can get out. I go back over there to see her, and she look at my feet. And she said, what did you? And she said, oh, never mind. I know what you did. She said, now get out my office <laughs> and go on. You know, I'm looking for this the doctor talking to me like this. She said, get out. Go on. I, I got more patience, in other words, to see. You you don't need no doctor. You need to just go on and whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Yeah. And that blessed me real good because I got to see God healing feet up. Nobody cut nothing off of nothing because, you know, if they diagnose you with diabetes and you get an open wound and it appears that the wound is not healing up, uh, they ready to amputate something. Oh, not off these feet. I serve a risen Savior. I serve Almighty God that had all power back then. Yeah, I, look here. I was running around in the freezing cold like I was in Florida running around in a nice sunny day. On a nice sunny day. Yeah, I was going here, there, and a little bit of everywhere. All over at the homeless shelter. At different churches. The Lord blessed me to start a Bible study in the house. I started it on a Friday night. And I invited the Samoan uh, Samoa pastor and his wife. 
and they come over. And uh, he didn't he didn't speak real good English, but his wife would interpret. Next thing I know, it was growing. Plenty of military sergeants was coming to the meeting. I can remember there was a huge recliner in the living room. And they used to come two at a time sometimes would sit in that recliner. Had their Bibles open. Different ones might read. I had a young lady for every Bible study, according to the topic, she would write a poem. Had another young man, he wanted to come in mine. When I knew the thing, it had grew so I didn't have room in the house and, and I couldn't let no more people in because the fire marshal. You, you you reach your capacity. No more people can come in here. So look, churches would invite me to different functions that they would have, and they would say this, bring your church. I'm like, what? I don't have no church. Bring your church. What they was talking about is all the people that would come to Bible study, invite them and bring them, and they would follow me from a, a service to service. I remember in one service, this man come to me, and I could see it clear that day is outside, shining bright, the sun and everything. It's daylight. I could see it just as clear. He wanted to ask me to marry him so bad, he didn't know what to do. My son-in-law come, and he said, hey, so-and-so-and is this. I said, hey, let me tell you something. You know, your mother-in-law, right now I'm not the marrying kind. I'm busy. Yeah. And he, he went to another lady that he thought was a preacher and asked her, and she said yes to him. Uh-huh. I'm telling you the truth this morning. I done been in some, some situations where God intervened for me because I couldn't get caught up into the natural things of this world. I, I have to remain spiritual. He said, be ye holy, for I am holy, so I can't let the flesh overrule the spirit. And many times that's that's what that is. You know, God put marriage together. Yes, he did. And if it's for us, he'll give us a partner. Yeah, he'll give the man a help me. Yeah. And so, you know, I just learned to love me, you know, and obey God. And when you got a mind like this, your mind is not on that kind of stuff. Your, your mind is on the next level in God. Your mind is on the next step, the next assignment. Because, see, you never know. You never know what your next assignment is going to be. I had a nice apartment. Shantae was there with me. <laughs> I was good. I was in school. I was, You know, I was good. All of a sudden, that had to go. My next assignment was in the project, in government housing. I want you to hear me now. In government housing. The enemy told me to be scared. Oh, you know, they're killing people over there like it's illegal. Oh, this and that going on over there. But that's where he sent me for the assignment, the next assignment. Sent me over there. I was there seven years. Seven years I was there working. At the end of that seven years, I prayed the prayer of faith because I could feel it. My my work was done. I asked for what I wanted. He gave it to me. I left that. Still working unto him. Come to a whole nother place. 
and he yet gave me work to do on this end. And he showed me how to go out and do things so the people will know <laughs> I represent him. Hallelujah. You can't tell me about him this morning. Now, see, if I was married, I, I would have to take care of the husband. Because no man want to come home to a cold stove. He, he, he don't want to come home to you on the phone uh, uh, yelling and screaming. And, 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 no, he don't want to hear all that. Unless he's the man of God and God gave y'all the same assignments. That's why have, you have to wait on him. Because if y'all have somewhat of the same assignments, two can walk together because they agree. But how can we walk together if we don't agree? You got to understand how God used my mouth, how God used my hands. Uh, how he, he, It's a lot of things he would have to understand, and this is not what God sent. So it's me. And I keep walking in him. Prayed a prayer last night. I'm looking for results. Hallelujah. In my older years, I said around maybe 70, I wanted a log cabin, but I wanted to be able to be a houses that people of God could come and get a house. And, you know, no interest fees and all of that stuff, like the traditional stuff, but you pay the contractor for what he do for you. You might want four bedrooms, so you got to pay for them. And, and not all at one time. You just make your monthly payments like you normally do. Wanted some stores so we'll have places to shop. Want a farm so we'll have uh, food to eat. Huh? Roof over our head, food to eat. Yeah, we got a place down there where we can have all kind of church services. It ain't got to be one kind. Yeah. So I'm just waiting on the Lord. Waiting on him for some other things. I got to prove I could... Buy me a new truck if I choose to. I just haven't decided yet. Huh? Because if you wait on God, he's going to fix it all. Be anxious for nothing. All things in prayer and supplication. Let your request be made known unto God. Another thing I want you to know, if you resist the devil, he's going to flee now. He's coming back, but he will go. And when he come back, you resist him again. And it's already all right today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'll make sure. Amen goes right there. Now, look, y'all. I think that was day before yesterday. Tuesday. I get the mail. And when I open the mail, <laughs> I have a check in the mail for eight cents. Anybody ever got a check for eight cents? So I, I've been just holding on to the check. And uh, I said, I'm going to put this check in the bank, eight cents. I'm going to go on and deposit it. But see, when I see this kind of thing, they said I was in some kind of class action lawsuit or something. But when I see this kind of stuff here, small come before big. Somebody tell God, thank you for your big check on the way. Because we ask for uncommon blessings. We don't just ask for the blessings of God, but we want uncommon. We want things we don't get every day. He wake us up every day. That's a blessing. Mm-hmm. And it's common because I've been waking up for 67 years. I mean, 66 years going on 67. I've been waking up. Yeah. But when he do something out of the ordinary, I call it. 
something that he hasn't been doing. That's unexpected. You wasn't, I wasn't expecting an eight cent check. Yet he sent it. Somebody said, oh, eight cents. Now, I don't worry about the eight cents because the next one come would be much more, maybe eight million. Huh? We never know how he's moving because I got some things I want to do for his people. Yeah, I want to pay for some stuff for his people, have some repairs made, uh, buy some newer cars and uh, some other stuff, pay some bills off of some folks. Yeah, all that kind of thing. That that never leave my mind. Yeah. I, I, I pray and ask the Lord for what I want because I have something special I want to do for Brother Anthony. I want to shock him. <laughs> Did I say shock him? <laughs> He'll be sitting around with his mouth open. They have to come back. Cindy have to come back and say, Anthony, close your mouth. It's real. <laughs> He'll be calling me, but Miss Barbara, uh, it's real. Yeah. See, because God have a purpose and a plan, and sometimes he use us if we're not selfish-minded. Yeah. I, I don't really want to put Jesus in the morning in a building. I want to keep it like it is, online. Online radio, blog radio. People all over the world can come and take a listen. No charge. Now, if your phone company charging you, I promise that's not blog talk and that's not Barbara. That's your phone company. Verizon or whoever you got, uh, TJ, whoever. But I like it so, because see, salvation is free. Jesus saved for it. Faith is free. Hope is free. Trust in God is free. The scriptures are free. Unless you got you got to buy a Bible. But what's in there is free. If you can apply it to your everyday life, you can have a good life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm grateful unto him. I, I was sharing with my youngest daughter. I told her, I said, listen. She said, well, mama, what's the theme and what's their time for the birthday? I said, well, the theme would be radio. Y'all do what you want with it. (laughs) My theme is lifting up the name of Jesus. That's my theme. So all you got to do is put on some jeans and a T-shirt and some sneakers and have your mind lifted up on him. Come on and give him his just due. That's all it is. Well, that's the dress code, the attire. Yep, that's the dress code and the dress attire. I want you to be comfortable. I don't. I don't want people all tight, you know, because they got their little suit on. Oh no, no, no. Just put some jeans and a t-shirt, comfortable, and some sneakers on, because I want you to tap your feet. Yeah, I, I want you to dance before them if you feel like dancing. Some people say the spirit have to move. Let, let me tell you, I don't have to be moved to dance before God. All I have to do is think on the goodness of Him. Make up my mind to go and pick my feet up and put them down. That's all I have to do. He don't have to move me to raise my hand when I hear you talking about it. It makes me just wave my hand. It makes me tell him, thank you. Hallelujah, Jesus. All right, Brother Jermaine, I'm coming at you right now. Good morning, sir. God bless you. How are you? All right, good morning, Sister Bros. Just enjoying your, your testimony. It was right on time, quite a blessing. And, and you know, I'm not going to keep you. I know we close to the end for the day, but I wanted to see if I can get in a special prayer request. Cause, yes, uh, sir. Something came up last minute. 
since we last talked, actually in the last couple of days, but, you know, I got a notification from my work comp attorney, my workers' comp mm-hmm. attorney, that I have to get a work status report to my job. And okay. the problem is the doctor, as far as where the restrictions category is, he left it kind of vague and, you know, he only put a couple on there and I really need a lot more because physically I'm not going to be able to do a whole lot of what they're going to try and do because they're going to try and put me on what they call light duty. And I know from experience and talking to my other coworkers that that's usually a position that they're going to try and use to punish me for being kind of a whistleblower and for being the first one to start this process. So um, what I'm going to do is try and contact my, my uh, doctor Mm-hmm. today and see if I can get some more restrictions on there because mm-hmm. if not you know then I just need strength to endure but I'll have to last 12 weeks they're going to try and break me down you know, yeah. put me in position to get fired so they don't have to take care of me so yeah, I just wanted so they, to yeah because that's what they usually do when you come back they put you in a position so they can fire you because they don't like right. the fact that you fire work will come. Don't worry about all that, Brother Jermaine. God is who you say he is. Yes, ma'am. And when it's out of your hands, it's in his. If we put it in his hands and we mm-hmm. let go, because he said come boldly before the throne of grace, we can go boldly to him and make our petition known. And that's what we're about to do this morning. Hallelujah. Intercessors, mm-hmm. I need y'all to touch and agree with me. Let's pray. Father God, oh, hiya. Hey, glory, glory. Ah, thank you, Lord. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we bring Brother Jermaine before you this morning. God, you know the very intent of this man's heart. You know what he's standing in need of. He's got a family, Lord. And you said that if that man don't take his family, he's worse than an infidel. And God, he has done this. He has done what he could do. And, Lord, we're asking you to do the rest for him. When he speak to this doctor today, Lord, I ask that you would turn the doctor's heart, that, God, he would give him more than he could ever expect to get done what Brother Jermaine desires to have done and the thing that is right in the name of Jesus. Open doors for him and, Father, make ways. And, Lord, if they require him to come back to work, we bind up every evil and hindering and negative spirit on that job that will come his way. And we cast the things that the enemy is trying to do back to the pits of hell, never to return again. In the name of Jesus, bless his family, Lord. God bless his wife. Let us see that he desired to take care of her. But it's not always easy for a man. So, Lord, we ask that you would move in a mighty way this day for him and his family. In the precious name of Jesus, we ask it all. And, Father, I ask this morning that, God, you would remember Sherry today. And, Lord, whatever she's going through, strengthen her in this hour. And, God, give her heart and a mind to trust you. Give her heart and a mind to believe that you love her enough that you're going to take good care of her. And, God, help send what she needs. In the name of Jesus, you know what she needs. God, we know she likes being by herself now that Lou is gone because she don't feel that she can trust people. But, Lord, strengthen Sherry and give her more than she needs in the name of Jesus. Bless Jasmine this morning, touch and heal her body, God. You made that body. You know all about it. And, Lord, I ask that you would send what Jasmine needs this day in the precious name of Jesus. 
touch and heal Sister Jerry today, God. Lord, you know what's best for her. Strengthen her legs. Lord, loosen her hips as she walk again. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for hearing and answering. And Lord, we ask that God you would bless Pastor David and Sion, bless Sister Dot, move in a mighty way, God. Continue, Lord, to open doors and make ways for them. In the name of Jesus, every caller and every listener this day, Father, we ask that you would move in a mighty way. Bless their families and bless their friends, even family and friends near and far, oh God. Lord, we ask that you would touch and heal those that are under the weather, don't feel good. The doctor diagnosed them with something. God, we ask today that you would heal in the name of Jesus. And we thank you right now. Bless those that are incarcerated, those that are in every branch of the military. Father, our administration of our military, bless today. Lead and guide them in the right path in the name of Jesus. Bless our brothers and sisters everywhere overseas. For Lord, you know what's best for us. Bless Israel and prosper Jerusalem today in the name of Jesus. Continue to bless America and the leadership. Father, have mercy upon us all today as Americans. Lord, those of us that are not obeying you, Lord, give us a heart and mind to come wholeheartedly unto you and obey according to your word. Teach us, Lord, how to apply your word to our everyday life in the name of Jesus. Oh, bless in a mighty way. Send finances today, all oh, like never before, in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We give you glory. We give you the honor and praise oh, for your almighty God. Hey, thank you. Ah, oh, that have all power. Father, there's no higher power today. Hey, all power, you're on our side today in spite of us. Father, you said we could cast our cares upon you for your care for us. And we cast out all, every care upon you. But Lord, we don't know what to do. So we give it all to you to work out for us in the name of Jesus. We give you glory. We give you honor and all the praise right now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah to his majesty. Ah, in Jesus' name today. Amen and hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent one from another in the name of Jesus. Go today in love and peace, believe in God and trust in God. Mm-hmm. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you today. February the 8th. 2024 in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to our last song of the morning. And uh, after this song, we won't be coming back. I need to find it right quick. I need to find the song. I had it and moved my hair, y'all. So I got to go back and get it. But uh, we thank God today because we know he's able to see us through over and over again, over and over. So we're going to this one. Uh, leaning on the everlasting arms by uh, it was live at the Gaither Studio. Hallelujah!
sweet to walk in this pilgrim way. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how bright the path grows from day to day. Leaning on the everlasting arms. somewhere and he can't say nothing this morning, but I just wanted to let you know it's open to you because I know you like to give your just due, brother. <laughs> and I'm not mad at you. Hallelujah. Good morning, sir. How are you? Bless how the baby going on. Good morning, Miss Barbara. Good morning, everybody. First of all, I want to give God thanks for life, ever screen, keeping my right mind, allowing me to see another day I've never seen before. Thank God for activity of my limb. And thank God for who he is to me, what he's doing in me, where he brought me from, where he's taking me at. And just bless it be here this morning again to see another day. And uh, bless that y'all able to hear my voice. I'm able to hear y'all's. And uh, I'm traveling this morning again. I had to go pick up another trailer and pick up the other trailer that I had to take. So I got to go through some little little bit of snow because when I went, when I talked to y'all day before yesterday, uh, when I went and got halfway there, it was, it was snow out there, so I had to slow down and take it a little, take it slow going in, and it was piled up for about a good 30, 30 or so miles with a half snow, and by the time I got almost to where I had to go at, I seen the plows, the snow plows coming, you know, clearing the road, so I made it for an easy uh, trip back, you know, but uh, yeah, I just pray for my uh, traveling 
you know, that I'll make it to my destination this morning and back, you know, and travel mercy for me and just keep me in prayer. And I just want to encourage Brother Jermaine, uh, Brother Jermaine, just see God, uh, everything that you needed and everything that you asked for, just go ahead and speak it and see it, picture it in your mind, the checks that you need, the money, everything that you need, you go ahead and pitch it, coming to you, and you get it in your hand. You know, that's something that, you know, the Lord just had put in my spirit, you know, to tell you, and that's something that, you know, I had to, the Lord that, you know, dealt with me about, and, uh, you know, that, that process, you know, and there's some, um, I'll say Brother um, brother Frank, you know, he, he told me that one, uh, one day, too, you know, concerning, you know, the situation, I was looking for a job, and you know he, you know I had to kind of plant the seed, you know, as far as me getting out and do the work. And but when I did do it, and picture myself with a job and everything, you know, it manifests. So you know, it's you know we trust the guy. We already know it's gonna happen, but we we looking for it, and we gonna have a picture in our mind, even you know, and that's not just for. Uh, Brother Jermaine, but for everybody, whatever you stand in need of, whatever you need, if you uh, put in your mind and picture seeing it, you know, healing in your body, you know, financial, whatever you might stand in the need of, you know, picture that, see it, you know, and let it manifest. Amen. I hope that bless you, Brother Jermaine, and everybody listening this morning, and y'all have a blessed and awesome day. Amen. 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 And it just shall live by faith. We just believe it. We we, we, we we just believe it and trust in God on it because we know he's able and he will do it for us every time over and over again. Okay, Sister Rita, I am going to, to try and record the uh, birthday celebration service and uh, I'll try to post it over on Facebook and uh, send some of the recordings out so y'all can get to see it. I got to talk to Shantae because she's good with that recording thing. I'm not. I'll mess it up right <laughs> So I'm going to talk to her and see if she'll record and uh, the whole service. And we might have to do it between two phones, her phone and mine. But we'll get it done and maybe we can get it edited and put together in one video. Yeah, put it over on Facebook. All right. God bless you. Y'all have a wonderful day. Yes, sir. Today I want to uh, have prayer for uh, my, my cousin, his mother. Uh, in the hospital, she been dealing and fighting cancer, and she, uh, you know, she was being good, but she uh, kind of fell under the weather a little bit uh, a couple weeks. Well, I say last week, and uh, I had seen them posting, you know, a couple things about it. But uh, her name is Sarah, Miss Sarah Pompey. Okay. And we just speaking for her healing and her breakthrough to come out of this uh, fight against cancer and the body. Okay, okay, all right. Father God, we bring Sarah before you right now. Ask that you would touch and heal her body. Lord, we know you're able. You did it for the man with the withered hand. You did it for the man at the pool. Father, you raised Lazarus from the dead. We know that you heal all manner of sickness and disease. Do it for Sarah in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Huh? Thank you. Glory to his majesty. Lord, we look for a good report. Yeah, if it be your will, in the name of Jesus, amen and hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. All right, Brother Anthony, we'll keep her uh, in prayer. Intercessor, y'all keep 
Sarah in prayer that God would touch and heal that body because we know he's able. Hallelujah. He's got all power. Hallelujah. He can turn anything around, fix any situation. And if he don't do it, it's a trial. It's something in there. You have a purpose and a plan. So we thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So at this time, I'm going to say bye-bye. And uh, we pray the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning. And I have quite a few testimonies I want to share tomorrow and uh, from others. And if you have a testimony, feel free to come on and share. Yeah, the more the merrier. Yeah, we're talking about the goodness of the Lord. Hallelujah. God bless your pops and both right. Have a blessed day. Hallelujah. So, bye-bye. Leaning on the everlasting.